0: The upcoming presentation is a two man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
1: What's up, guys? Skip now after that slam has uh, things going his way. Horowitz oh, a long way away here. And Skip. Boy, oh, he, he found the mark there with that right hand. And look at the big smile on his face. He hasn't broken a sweat yet. Oh, he doesn't like a sweat. Well, he's in great shape. There's no denying that. Great cardiovascular conditioning is uh, is a Skip, who envisions himself the his answer to uh, another loudmouth on those infomercials, Tony Little. And look at this completely disregarding Barry Horowitz doing those
0: Let's get it rolling right here, right now. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by our good old friends over at Eat Your Coffee. Energize the moment with an Eat Your Coffee coffee bar, a coffee-infused snack that if you head on over to eatyour.coffee right now, you can take advantage of our two-man power trip of wrestling offer by typing in the promo code POWERTRIP and saving on your next purchase of an Eat Your Coffee bar And if I do say so myself, you should go ahead and energize the moment. But let's get it rolling into this right now. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here on the two-man power trip, the one and only JP, John Paz. And John, today on the show, we're patting ourselves on the back. We are getting in the ring. We're putting on our working boots as we are joined by Barry Horowitz, who on June 1st will be in New Jersey at the Legends of the Ring convention alongside the two-man power trip of wrestling for a very cool appearance at Legends of the Ring in Monroe, New Jersey at the Ramada Hotel, another glorious return for us to that location, one of the greatest conventions on the East Coast for professional wrestling fans to come and meet and greet the superstars of the past and present. But today we're talking about the past as we talk to Barry Horowitz, a guy that, John, you and I could sit ourselves right down on Saturday morning, settle in for a little Superstars of Wrestling, and we'd watch Barry Horowitz every single week take somebody to school and make them look like a million and a half dollars. So let's get you in here right now, John. Let's talk about this interview with Barry Horowitz. So much energy in this interview, uh, a lot of fun and my favorite part, when I look back on it, is just going through the names of all the guys that he worked. And you literally could name every single guy that you could think of in the 1980s and the 1990s. And Barry Horowitz got in the ring with them at some point, and I love when he goes down that list of names.
2: That's one of my favorite parts as well, and obviously that's more towards the end of the interview. It's great because sometimes when you ask that question, you say, hey— Favorite matches, favorite opponents, you know, what do you know, what do you remember best about your time in wrestling or what do you remember best about who you wrestled in wrestling and, you know, traveling down the roads and whether it's territories or whether it's WBF, you know, what do you remember? Who do you remember? And that answer was just remarkable. I mean, it was crazy. He literally might have mentioned every wrestler ever. And it's funny. It's almost what we should have said is who haven't you wrestled? And then it was like, oh, uh, Hulk Hogan or like, you know, it was like one name. And I believe Hogan really was one of the only guys he hasn't wrestled, and that was pretty much it. I mean, I think the other guy, what did he, what you say, was Rocky Johnson? I think was, Ro- was the uh, other Rocky guy?
0: Johnson and Tony Atlas,
2: right? Very okay. So it was like basically he was like three guys out of almost a thousand that that he uh, didn't hadn't. In- I just thought that was amazing. He's like, oh, Roddy Piper, I wrestled Jake the Snake, I wrestled, oh, yeah, I wrestled Eddie Guerrero, oh, yeah, I wrestled Andre the Giant, I wrestled Chris Benoit. I mean, it was just insane. The list went on and on and on. Um, And you think about his tenure, not only in wrestling, his long career, but just think about his tenure just in the WWF alone, and he had a long run. Think about it. 81, 82, 83 for the, you know, then WWWF going into the WWF, then he came back in 87 to about 91, then he left for a little bit, then he came back from 93 till about all the way till about 97, and then late 97 to basically 2000, he was in WCW. So it's just crazy to think of his run and kind of run in the big leagues, if you Wheel and WWF and WCW was a lot longer than a lot of people recognize him for. And I just love that if you really look at how many career matches he's had in the WWF, he's had more matches in the WWF than Hogan and Piper and Savage. It's like, I was like, how is this possible? But he, you know, he really was such a great worker and such a constant professional. And he was always making the other guy look good. And whether you want to say, you know, enhancement talent or not, he was still doing such a great job of getting the other guy over. And fans today remember him so well like the, I saw he posted on Facebook and yeah, he got 600 likes for a comment that he made about a match that he had from 1989 just crazy that everyone you know really has that the smarts and the wherewithal to respect such a wrestling legend like him that at the time you wouldn't really think of a wrestling legend but looking back so memorable and obviously underrated as well
0: Yeah, and for guys from like our generation, which I know we kind of we wax poetic about it, that late '80s, early '90s, when we watched a guy like Barry Horowitz. I mean, look, yeah, he didn't win matches until you know the mid '90s in the WWF, and that was the obviously uh, you know the primary territory that was uh, going on in the New York, New York, New Jersey area. But when it came time for him to get that push in '95, and he became a babyface. You really did get behind the guy, you know, you really did like the fact that he was starting to win matches and you were seeing him, you know, in the good guy role, beat some of those bad guys, have great matches with the Chris Candido uh, and the one, two, three kid. And you see these competitive matches, but on the reverse side. And it's really cool to to kind of see that. And we talk about that SummerSlam 95 match that he had with Chris Candido. And obviously it wasn't the first time he worked at the pay-per-view he worked at the pay-per-views in different capacities but in this time getting a a high profile match at that time in 1995 on SummerSlam because this was when pay-per-views were not as uh you know just fly by night as they became and as really they are now they're not really that important anymore this was a huge spot on a card like SummerSlam and that feud with Chris Candido aka Skip of the Body Donnas that really solidified his time in the WWF, and and we talk about that match as possibly being one of the best on that card that night. It
2: definitely is, and it's funny to look back at it and think like, okay, you know, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels in the ladder match, and think of like just a legendary match like that and on that card, and that obviously stuck out and was awesome. But you really watch it, and for whatever reason, I'm not really that into the ladder matches as much. A little too gimmicky for me, and I mean, obviously, some of them are really good, including that one, including the one at WrestleMania 10. But you know, to me, sometimes you know, I'm more of a purist. uh, I think at heart, sort of be honest. And I said this to you, you know, as we're preparing to interview. Barry. I said, honestly, I think Barry Harbors versus Skip might have been the best match on the card. I mean, they get 15 minutes. They're both excellent, excellent workers. The crowd is really into it. The crowd is chanting Barry. Barry. So I was like, man, you know, I mean, it might sound crazy or it might sound one of those crazy takes that i love to give, but I think Barry Harbors versus Skip might have been the match of the night. I think you might be right on that.
0: It's definitely up there. I mean, I haven't watched SummerSlam 95 in a long time, and obviously I think we're like conditioned to remember the ladder match, which I'm kind of in the same vein as you there. I don't really, you know, I don't really get up for the ladder match unless uh, there's a guy named Brett in the uh, the middle of the fray. But right. that per se, you know, really, if you think about it, is the, the probably the best work match of the night. I don't remember the card. I remember our, our co-host uh, did appear on SummerSlam 95 uh, after that ladder match. But that's really all I remember about that show is Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, and Skip, versus barry Horowitz, and that's uh that's a shoot that's no joke so we get to talk about that we get to talk about all of the great matches that he had all the great opponents and it's a who's who of the uh the wrestling world so before we wrap it up john let's give one more pitch here for legends of the ring you're going to be up there with barry Horowitz that day reno riggins is also going to be sitting at the table so there's another enhancement talent extraordinaire you can ask him why uh i've always wondered why he uh, was going to do the reno plex Uh, Mr. Perfect. You can't steal that from uh, Kurt Hennig. You can't. uh, No, it's
2: crazy. Yeah, you can't do
0: that. But what are your thoughts here going into this Legends of the Ring with Barry Horowitz, Reno Riggins, two guys that the long term, you know, knowledgeable fan is going to have a great appreciation for. And obviously those guys have wrestled a million matches. So what do you what do you got to give us on the Legends of the Ring convention?
2: Man, it's going to be so much fun. I always love Legends of the Ring. It's not that far from my house. There's always a pretty good turnout. There's always lo- loyal fans. And at these conventions, uh, i got to be honest, I'm going to shoot with you for a second. There are some places, not Legends of the Ring, there are some places where fans just hang out and they don't necessarily buy anything. You know what I mean? They're not buying merch. They're not buying autographs, not buying pictures. They kind of hang out and ask for freebies. And that is never the case at Legends of the Ring. That's why I always love it. The fans are there to buy stuff they're there to interact with the wrestlers they're there to buy merch they're there to be good collectors they want to have good conversations so i always enjoy the legends of the ring i always love it and i'm going to have a great time because i know these fans are smart enough to really appreciate Barry Horowitz, I know obviously they were going to remember Reno Riggins, and they're going to appreciate and love him as well, but Barry Horowitz I know has a near and dear place in a lot of people's hearts and a lot of the good fans, especially in the Northeast and especially in New Jersey, a legend of the ring, because they usually bring out some of the best fans in the world. And as far as Barry Horowitz, I know I'm going to see a lot of those awesome cards that he used to have back in the day. And a couple of them, you know, you're going to see a bunch of those. You know, you're going to get a lot of fans coming up to you, patting themselves on the back. You know, you're going to get some fans, maybe in some suspenders and maybe some glasses, <laughs> some, of, some of those nerdy glasses. But, uh, you know, you're going to get some great fans. And, and I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, just with talking to Barry, not only for the interview, but talking to him off air. He's just such an easy-going guy. It's one of those things like, ooh, don't have to worry about, you know, anybody being prima donna or anybody being a little crazy or anybody kind of going off the rails. He's very cool, very, you know, polite, very professional, and I really feel like it's just going to be a hell of a lot of fun, and I hope everyone can join us at the new uh, Ramada Plaza Hotel in Monroe, New Jersey, for Legends of the Ring on June the
0: 1st. And we wouldn't be uh, doing this show if we didn't mention it. I don't know how we didn't, but TMPT Con 3 was this past weekend in Richmond, Virginia. We're going to cover it in depth on the Triple Threat podcast, but it was a great weekend. It was a lot of fun. Obviously, uh, the great James E. Cornette and the Midnight Express were as advertised and absolutely amazing. And the fans that turned out, we thank you so much for coming and we appreciate all the patronage and the great conversation that we had, all the listeners that came over to just, you know say, hey, we listen to the podcast. Can't believe some of these interviews. you know, love this one, love that one. Uh, very humbling was a lot of fun. Again, a lot of work. So it's kind of cool to kind of put that off into the, uh, the back burner on the uh, rear view. And John, I'm going to pose the question to you, you know, uh, on the spot. We haven't talked about it yet, but you know, I know you had a great time down in Richmond, so I don't know. It could, uh, it could be something in the future, but we'll let the, uh, the, the wrestling gods handle that one.
2: Yes, definitely. And already talking to somebody today about team, but count four, so already a year in advance, already thinking about it, already you know thinking of some possibilities. And I know me and you have talked about a couple guys, a former, not a former, a couple former world champions. One former world champion, maybe one of your favorite wrestlers and one of my favorite wrestlers, and our uh, esteemed friend our great friend of ours eddie Cheslock, who was the jcp and nwa and mid atlantic photographer for many years he mentioned somebody to me today of who we should bring in and i was like wow that is a great idea so we're just already thinking about that and already kind of you know moving on to legend of the ring with barry horowitz then we got icons in june 8th with ronnie garvin and maybe some more announcements coming up soon but of course we have the gathering with Arn Anderson and Telly Blanchard. There'll be so much more to announce as as far as that goes. But I just love kind of the the day after, a couple days after TMPT Con 3, after we can um, decompress and kind of just, you know, just look back on it a little bit and, and it, it's in the rear view and kind of just reflect back on how much fun we had and how great it was. And just thinking about how awesome Cornette was and his VIP show was just unbelievable The Jim Cornette experience and hanging out with the midnight express. I mean, I love lane. I absolutely love Condry. Me and him connected really well, but hanging out with beautiful Bobby, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time was really, really cool. And I just kind of, uh, can't wait to do it again. I always get the, uh, the itch or, you know, whatever you want to call it, the bug to like, Wow. Okay, this one's over. Let's plan the next one. What are you doing next? Uh, you know, onward and upwards. What are we doing next? But it always is great to kind of look back and reflect of you know what an awesome show that it was down in Richmond, Virginia.
0: And we'll talk about it more on the Triple Threat podcast this week. And uh, you know, you mentioned the gathering with uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard in North Carolina, looking to be possibly the biggest convention of the wrestling genre this summer. So if you're in North Carolina or you could get to Charlotte, North Carolina. Head over to Facebook, check out T Mart's The Gathering, now featuring AA Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. And also, stay tuned for the 400th episode of the Two Man Power Trip in a couple of weeks. And we will uh, hopefully talk about that a little bit more. So, with that being said, let's wrap it up here very nicely. Let's get it over to Barry Horowitz. Let's have some fun, pat ourselves on the back, get some Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling Business under our belt, and enjoy... With Barry Horowitz.
2: Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Rasslin' Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, The Enforcer, Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTease.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTease.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former WWF and WCW superstar, he is a former NWA Florida World Champion, a former CWA World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Mr. Technical, or the winner, he is
1: Barry Horowitz.
2: Enjoy.
0: tonight is a man who if you think about the pat on the back there's only one person that comes to mind he's a former WWF and WCW superstar a former NWA Florida world champion and a CWA world tag team champion the one and only Mr. Technical himself Barry Horowitz Mr. Horowitz thanks for joining the two-man power trip thanks what an introduction, and you've been doing your homework on Barry Horowitz. (laughs) Long time coming, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. We are so pumped to have you not only on the show to talk about your great career, but also to have you be joining us on June 1st at the Legends of the Ring convention in Monroe, New Jersey, one of the best conventions on the East Coast, maybe even in the United States. And we couldn't be any more happy to have you joining us that day, June 1st, Saturday, June 1st, Legends of the Ring. How is it going to feel to be getting back into that glorious tri-state New Jersey area? Oh, awesome. I love it there. I mean,
1: fans are great. Crowds are great. People are very accepting and um,
0: yeah, it's, it's awesome. Great atmosphere. You might as well say we patted ourselves on the back when we booked this one. And we, uh, we got the ball rolling. Okay. I'll let you have that one. <laughs> in the right direction. But so thrilled to have mm-hmm. you on just to talk about a lot of things in your career. But first of all, you know, we talk, let's talk about the state of what you're doing today in, in your life. You know, we, We've come to think of that generation of wrestlers as guys mm-hmm. that we, we, like, we wish we could bottle you up and throw mm-hmm. you right on mm-hmm. to our Monday night television show. But what's been going on in the world of Barry Horowitz these days?
1: Uh, mostly just uh, I've been um, doing a lot of signings and so forth. I have wrestled, but right now I'm sidelined with a knee injury from training, so we've got to let that subside. But otherwise, uh, the seminars and um, the signings. Also, I, I'm in the midst of seeking either WWE or the new uh, company in Jacksonville as a head trainer or just a mentor or coach, if you will.
0: You're, I couldn't think of anybody who might fit that bill pretty perfectly. So, are you keeping up with what's going on in the business these days? Well, to
1: a to a to a degree, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And what do you think?
1: <laughs> well, um, I don't know what to think. Um, it's just—it's um, actually, I mean, it's just height. really, it's not that too too much difference. Um, from when I was in uh, WWF. A little bit more entertainment, a little bit more uh, girl wrestling involved, and
0: um, yeah, definitely
1: just more, more entertainment, more glitz and glamour.
0: Which is something coming from a Vince McMahon television product, because obviously he's the one who made glitz and glamour a thing in pro wrestling, and you were there at a time where the glitz and glamour were uh, pretty much at its height in that late '80s, so. yeah, late '80s, early '90s, and to see mm-hmm. Vince still going at this, you know, this time of uh, of his life, and still putting in that full schedule, you know, do you think is he a robot at this point? You know, what do you think keeps Vince McMahon uh, moving forward and, and still being into doing a weekly television product at his pace? Well, I think
1: he's an iconic genius, uh, just like people talk about Bill Belichick being the mad scientist in the Patriots laboratory. I mean. Vince is always thinking of something. He surrounds himself with wrestling people. He surrounds himself with professional people that know what they're talking about. And he's just born and bred into it and heightens every time. I mean, when I was working for him, he was a multimillionaire. Now he's a multibillionaire. You tell me. He's doing (laughs)
0: something right. (laughs) That's pushing a lot of right buttons for sure. And, you know, obviously now it's a publicly traded company. You know, it's a whole different world Compared to, mm-hmm. you know, even the mid-90s when you were there, it's a completely, completely different world. Mm-hmm. But still, at the helm is Vince McMahon having to deal with creative, having to deal with production issues, having to deal with mm-hmm. talent issues. And like I said, now in his mid-70s, it's a miracle that this guy it does what he does. He's like a, a modern um, – he's a modern marvel of science at, at this point yeah. because he really still does it at a, at an intense pace. I love it. Yeah, I got to respect it. You have to. <laughs> Now, and you mentioned AEW, which is going to be based out of Jacksonville, and maybe interested mm-hmm. in, in some kind of head training with them. You know, mm-hmm. what what do you feel you bring to the table to these uh, organizations, especially in AEW, which is a completely mm-hmm. different working style on the on paper than the WWE is, because it's very high flying, it's very you know with uh, mm-hmm. based in the spots. What does Barry Hartwitz bring to the table for that organization? I
1: think what Barry Horowitz brings to the table is over a 20 year career and resume. I've basically wrestled all over the world. I've wrestled almost everybody, almost everybody in the wrestling business. I mean, top notch. Um, I was taught by the best, in my opinion, Professor Boris Malenko. And I would like to instill that with other young athletes the way I was taught. Uh, I like the way I was taught, and I think it still prevails today. And I, you know, I would love to spread the wealth and uh, physicality of, the, of, my, uh, of my
0: know-how. One thing I like about that is the connection it has to Florida. And it has a connection to, you know, uh, Championship Wrestling from Florida. Obviously, you got Dusty. You got Cody. You know, maybe the jeans stayed within the yeah. Rhodes realm. So yeah. with somebody like Cody, you know, at, at the, uh, the top of that heap, Maybe some of that, uh, you know, stardust did blow off on, from the American Dream onto Cody.
1: Yeah, very possible. I mean, what's odd about this whole conversation is I know everybody but Cody. I've wrestled uh, Goldust numerous times. I've wrestled uh, Dusty numerous times. But I've never met Cody before. I've watched him uh, on the television when he first started um, in the WWE. And, yeah, he's, <clears throat> excuse me, he's an impressive technical wrestler.
0: Oh yeah, without a doubt. And now let's see if he's got that, you know, bro- booking prowess, being able to manage mm-hmm. two things at once cuz obviously Dusty was able to uh become somewhat of a creative master at that, mm-hmm. you know, and during his time and uh really every place that he went, he always was either lending a helping hand or by the time he got up mm-hmm. to the WWF transitioning back mm-hmm. into uh to the wrestling ring. But you got any memories of Dusty working with him?
1: Oh, not really. Um I only worked with Dusty a few times. Um, no, it was just uh, no, a lot of excitement, a lot of entertainment, a lot of pandemonium. Um, that's about it, really, because I think I only worked for, if I'm not mistaken, I only worked for. I only worked against Dusty maybe in the in the WWF when um, he first got there.
0: Yeah, that's what. Just looking at the timeline, that's when I would think you guys would have synced up. Most perfectly, which mm-hmm. is when it, it's a weird time in the Dusty career because that's where he's transitioning out of being in the office, being the top dog, into just being now, mm-hmm. now being one of the boys, you know, and maybe the rib mm-hmm. of the polka dots being there. So mm-hmm. maybe you maybe you call a more humble Dusty, uh, you know, <laughs> in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, AEW, you know, let's see what they'll bring to the table. It's coming uh, yeah. slowly but surely. A few weeks down the road, they've got their big show coming out and uh, obviously if they wanted to add something like a barry Horowitz to their roster that'd be a big deal but how about that performance center they've got down there in orlando with the wwe a definitely an impressive facility but you know it's what they're churning out are those wwe superstars you know that's where i think the fine-tuning needs to be done
1: yeah yeah definitely you know you see it a lot on tv uh case in point when you're watching professional football, NFL, and you'll see a new offensive coordinator, a def- defensive coordinator, even a head coach, but let's just stick with the coordinators for right now. And you'll go, where would this guy come from? And, uh, or you do know him. Uh, he was a head coach or he was just brought up from, from um, a special teams coach to an uh, uh, offensive coordinator or a quarterback's coach. And you've got to have new blood. You've got to try these people out. Sometimes they, they do all right and sometimes they don't. And case in point is in my case, I think I bring a lot to the table for as far as basic technical wrestling, storytelling, uh, all the fundamentals about being a true professional wrestler.
0: And you had that staying power and you had that trust of a guy like Vince McMahon who could go to you and say, you know, look, Mm -hmm. Barry, this is what we need out of this spot here on television. We need to get this guy to do X, Y, and Z. You know, how does that conversation Mm -hmm. go with Vince prior to a television taping? and kind of conveying what he wants to get across for, you know, let's just say Superstar A.
1: Well, first of all, Vince doesn't – he doesn't have to come to me, and he doesn't come to me. He has his agents do that. That would be somebody like Tony Gurria, Chief J. Strongbow, Grizzly Smith, uh, Rene Goulet, somebody of that nature. So that's how – you know, uh, unless it's uh, uh, something really hot and heavy or something, and you're getting an explicit – Instructions. It could be Pat Patterson, Jerry Briscoe, or what have you.
0: Yeah, and I got to say, you know, it, they, those agents themselves, you know, those guys had a, a very special uh, mm-hmm. part of the business, them, you know, in, in their own right. You know, oh, they, those are all guys yeah. that had success. And maybe that's mm-hmm. what's missing are the guys that don't really know what they've had in the past. You know, the, those Tony Garillas, the, uh the Pat Patterson, those guys were absolute mm-hmm. megastars. Maybe the guys who were in those spots don't really know you know, what to convey to uh, guys on TV these days.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's true. Yeah, very true. Now, obviously, you're going to be with us on June 1st, Monroe, New Jersey, and WWF oh, yeah. being, your stomping, being your stomping grounds for such a long period of time up in the Northeast. You know the area well. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. You, I know we've talked privately kind of often. You used to live in New Jersey, so you're very used to, the you know, the scenes in, in, in that part of New Jersey. What's it going to be like to head back? to that area once again.
1: Well, I've been, actually, I've been back there on and off for the past few years. And I, um, I lived in New Jersey. I actually lived in Belmar for a couple of years and it was pretty cool. I lived a block from the beach, uh, being from Florida, love the beach. And, uh, also, uh, they had a nice, um, nice gym, there, training facility there. And, uh, it was pretty cool. Plus it was also closer at that time to all my bookings, you know, mostly, for WWF, they were in the Northeast, so it was, you know, highly easy to drive any of them.
2: Now, you made a quite a, a great run, if you think about it, from the late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s. It was a pretty nice run you had in the WWF. Not a lot of guys can say they were there that consistently, getting booked mm-hmm. that often by the WWF. Mm-hmm. You know, just talk about your role at that point within WBF because, you know, you got a lot of guys over, you know, they say the enhancement guy, they said you were the best of that crop. I mean, But there was a group of guys there that are so memorable and, mm-hmm. you know, people just for, you know, they loved it. You guys were beloved. Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had an excellent run. I mean, I started with Vince senior and uh, advanced to Vince junior and actually, you know, they helped me, get booked elsewhere to get polished, and, uh, you know, I went all over the place. I mean, I went to Crockett Promotions, Jarrett Promotions, uh, back to uh, NWA, uh, Championship Wrestling of Florida, back to Vince, back to WCW. I mean, you know, it it went a long way and did me well. It definitely got me ready and, and polished. My foundation came from the
2: great Malenko. Now, you say, you know, foundation, his training is great. How would Mm -hmm. you describe that that training? And, like, what was he doing? Was it old school? Was it tough? Was it rough and tumble? How would he train you guys?
1: That's a great question. Um, Basically, it was three to four nights a week, three hours a a session. This was after I worked a part-time job and trained at the gym. I would be getting there. And that drive was probably 45 minutes from St. Petersburg to Tampa over to Howard Franklin Bridge there. Anybody from Florida knows what I'm talking about. And um, you're in there in the wintertime. It's 40 degrees in that mattress factory, an old mattress factory, with one ring, and then we had two rings. And then in the summer, it's about 104 in there. So pretty brutal. I mean, three, four nights a week for a year and a half. I don't think I ever missed a training session, ever. Not that I can recall. And when we first started there... I mean, I actually started, I mean, first night in class, was at a place, it was a, um, I think it was Ed O'Malley's uh, judo studio. So, basically, you were in a room, I don't know, it was a, just a, a big room with judo mats, and you're taking hip tosses, slams, backdrops on a judo mat, which is probably an inch high. So if that don't toughen you up, nothing. But basically, it's almost like taking uh, falls and bumps on on cement.
2: Oh yeah, crazy mm-hmm. to kind of be thrown in there. Did that kind of deter you at all, or were you ready for it and you were tough? No, to I was, it? I was, I was ready for anything they wanted to
1: throw at me. I said, uh huh, no, no matter what, I'm gutting this out. And not a, not that I can recall, out of, um, I'm sure he's had many classes after me, but. The only people I know that really made it to some kind of stardom was myself and Al Perez. I can't remember anybody else that did what we did. All I remember is myself and Al Perez making the making the team, if you will.
2: It's a pretty good little group there, you and Al Perez. Though mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: we were. Um, I guess we were so good they tagged us up in um, when we went to uh, Japan. All Japan Wrestling, and we uh, they made us a tag team. So. That was
2: pretty cool. Yeah, you had a nice little run in all Japan yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, can't mm-hmm. forget that you are world-traveled. There's, It's not just the WWF or not just all Oh, no. time. World-traveled. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, all Japan. And I'll tell you something about Japan. I don't know how it is now, but I can't speak for New Japan. I can't speak for – they have many, many uh, organizations there. Uh, but, really, the top dogs are all Japan when Giant Baba was alive and New Japan. And let me tell you something. If you can't wrestle, and when I mean wrestle, that's what it says on the marquee outside of Madison Square Garden. doesn't say anything else. It says wrestle. If you can't do that in Japan, you're on a flight to, on the way home back to the States the next day.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Re- so you better know how to wrestle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And were they stiff? You know the, the tradition, the snug stiffness. They were uh, yeah, wrong.
1: I would say so. Yeah, uh huh. I mean, I've been yeah, I've been there before. I've been there before in other organizations, stiff and uh, yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty, uh, pretty stiff, snug. Mm-hmm.
2: And they threw you in there with some pretty good guys. I mean Masao oh, yeah. Kawada, Kobashi, Abdul yes. the Butcher. I mean they can you know, they throw you the wolves out there. It's not uh, no cakewalk. No, not at all. Like. Uh, Like the uh, late, great
1: Dr. Death Steve Williams says, hey, wrestling ain't ballet.
2: Good call. Yeah, great. Yeah. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: I've heard him say that many times. And that was a tough individual, by the way,
2: Dr. Death Steve Williams. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. One of the toughest wrestlers uh, of all time. Oh, yeah.
1: Plus his amateur career. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Oklahoma State, phenomenal. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Excuse me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, Jim Ross and Bill Watts, Cowboy Bill Watts were a big fan of Dr. Death.
2: Oh yeah. Big time. That's a uh, J.R.'s fair wrestler for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jim Ross loves, loves good competitive wrestlers. Now, if I could just rewind just a second, because you know, you're, you're coming up, you're coming through, you know, you mm-hmm. eventually landed at WWF, and I think so many people remember you for the character you had when you're doing the pat on the back and you had the handprint mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. jacket. Mm-hmm. Where does all mm-hmm. that come from? Like, are you creating that? Is, is WWF creating it, or is that all your character? Yep. That was all mine. Um, basically, when I grew up in
1: Florida, I started at a a youth center. I think it's still there actually in St. Pete, and it was free wrestling clinics and so forth. And they had a team, and then I progressed to junior high, high school and I wrestled in uh, FSU for about a year. I didn't finish my term with um, FSU because it was stay there four years, which I could barely afford it, but I would have toughed it out. But it was at our term pro, and that was my dream, to turn pro. So I don't know if I stayed there four years, what would have happened, but I, I was going for it. And I said, I'm going for this. I'm going to have to leave school. But um, I think it happened – I really think it happened at that youth center where – I won this match, and I was just jumped up. You know, I don't even know how old I was, 14 or 15, and I'm all, you know, all full of myself. And I don't know what made me do it, but I kind of haphazardly just patted myself on the back, not like I do the professional way like now. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at the scoreboard, I get disqualified and lose the match. Because, Uh you know, we're talking amateur wrestling, not we're not talking professional, so...
2: Wow, that's So crazy. that's what
1: happened, and I said, you know what? I'm going to turn heel, and I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this for a pivotal thing in my career, gimmick, if you will, or gimmick, whatever. And I said, you know what? When I'm introduced, pat myself on the back. When I do a great move, pat yourself on the back. Maybe even before I do that fantastic suplex, I'll pat myself on the back. And I think it got over, and nobody does it, and it's mine.
2: And if you do do it, you're a wannabe. I was going to say, if anybody does it, they immediately mm-hmm. think of you or Barry Horowitz. Oh, he's doing the Barry Horowitz. He's doing the Barry mm-hmm. pat on the back. So that is great mm-hmm. to have something, especially in wrestling, where it's just associated with you. I mean, that's tremendous.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I like it. I love it. And, then you know, it's, it's cocky. It, like you said, it's being a heel. It's self-congratulating. It, it's sure. very... And it's super memorable because so many fans remember that, right? I mean I'm sure fans come up to you today and, and they pat themselves on the back without even saying hello. They probably just Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, they use it for a prop for a punchline or a joke or what have you and I've heard from many fans in person or fan mail they tell me about it. So it's kinda of gratifying and um, and great props to myself
2: and it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the handprint on the back is perfect because you know obviously <laughs> you're patting yourself on the back. That just adds sure. to it, adds to it even more. Was that obviously your, you know your idea just to even add to it even further? That was my idea. I
1: actually designed both. I had two jackets and I designed both of them. I didn't make them. I designed them. So and then I gave it to a seamstress,
2: costume designer. See, you had everything down the psychology i mean even even being a heel pinpoint what you wanted the character to be everything Mm -hmm. was pinpoint Uh, a lot of that's definitely missing today you have to stand out you have to have your own character no matter who you are Mm -hmm. do you think that was super important to you then like you know you had to stand out you had to be your own character you had to be your own Mm -hmm. self well obviously i did something
1: for myself because i did it on my own remember now i wasn't brought in there by my By my great wrestling father or something like that, or a brother or a cousin or the promoter knew me. This was just a guy that was just trying his tail off. Another case in point was Otto Wanz when I went to Austria. This gentleman has been contacting me for probably three years straight to come to Austria. I never went because I was involved with WCW or WWF. I was under contract, and he understood until one year he called me, and I was ready to go. And it was awesome. It was great, and he treated me unbelievable. He doesn't go by, hey, are you this? Are you that? No. You got talent. You are respect. Um, you're listening. You're, you're an athlete. You're this. That's how, he, that's how he, if you want to call judged, that's how he judged you.
0: Not by you know your gimmick or or um, whose brother you are, whose son you are, or what have you. Hey, let's pause for one second to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Eat Your Coffee is a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students that pioneered a new category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, Kosher, 70% organic, and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha latte, salted caramel macchiato, and peanut butter mocha my personal favorite. Now, that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real, ethically sourced ingredients. So, if you want more information, head on over to www.eatyour.coffee as well as follow them on Instagram, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Pinterest, and follow them on Twitter and get all the information on how you can energize the moment with eat your coffee bars
2: and you were middleweight uh champion over there as well mm-hmm. sure was yeah people were people were <laughs> i wish
1: you guys could have seen that when uh i defeated Franz schumann and if i'm not mistaken i submitted him with anoki's finish the octopus that crowd went from a 10 death. To a zero, i you could hear a pin drop they 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 were stunned. they were like, Who's this guy, and how did he beat our champion? So yeah, that was cool. That was really cool, much respect to otto wants haven't seen him since haven't talked to him I don't know anything about the 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 area I went gratz uh was pretty cool. I mean, food was fantastic um accommodations were great the gym was great he just treated me
2: uh i mean he treated me like a a world champion And you know, some pretty good guys came through the cwa at that point too i'm sure you, yeah could have yeah finley as well around that time period yes I, I yeah i remember yeah i um
1: uh i think his name over there was david finley mm-hmm. and i did meet him i remember i remember meeting him on that um on that tour uh, I think Al Green was there. The Terminator, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, is Animal's brother. Yes. Joe Laurenitis. Yeah. Correct. So I met them there and a few other folks. I can't remember offhand. A lot of them were from England, too. So, yeah, it was pretty cool.
2: You I definitely had the believability factor and you were credible and you were a good worker and i feel like that always went a long way whether it was in europe or whether it was in japan or even in in the states i feel like the believability factor was there
1: i and that's what i wanted out of out of barry horowitz the the man the person the athlete and also the character i wanted it and i think i achieved it i worked hard at
2: it too i still do how would you kind of describe the role they always say you know the enhancement talent is the over. Guy, he always makes the guy look better. Obviously, you had a lot of wins along the way. At one point in time, they pretended you didn't. But you know, besides mm-hmm. that, we might get into that in a minute. But what would you? How would you kind of describe that role? That that enhancement role, or you know, however you want to determine it. It's, it's in the WBF, It's you get the guys over. You making those guys look great. You know, mm-hmm. you're wrestling Greg Valentine or Bret Hart or LOD or whoever. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're making them look even better than they are. Right. Exactly.
1: You know what? <clears throat> it was my dream. And think about what I'm about to say. It's a long story, but I'm going to make it short. But there has to be a winner. There has to be a loser. I mean, it happens in football. It happens in UFC. It happens in the movies. Not everybody could be Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. The list goes on and on and on and on. You can't. It would be boring. And you would just lose the people. So, at least when Barry Horowitz went out there, they're looking at a pro, his outfit, his his training abilities, his wrestling ability. So when if I lost, they go, "Wow, he lost, but what a fight he put up with." And you know that's what counts. I mean, if you just flop around like a rag doll and look like a piece of crap, and you got, I don't know, spandex on from Walmart, I mean, you're going to get treated like that. It's just unprofessional. So there has to be enhancement talent, and there's a difference. You know how many times? Uh, well, here you go, uh, WrestleMania. I don't remember what it was, The Rock against Hulk Hogan. Rock beat Hulk Hogan. Somebody's got to be the winner and the loser. just has to be. It just has to be that way. It's the way you win and lose, also. Now, so, you, could go, you could go out there with a big star, Bret Hart, and go, oh, okay, but still, if I don't make him look good, he won't, he'll be a seven, but when I'm done with him, he's gonna be a 12. See, there's right. a difference. Then you put him out there with somebody less experienced, he may be still a seven, but that guy made him look like a five. That guy.
2: And you're saying, you know, there's a good way to win, good way to lose. Just explain that just a little further. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like they're about to, you know, maybe about to lose, about to win, whatever the situation. But explain, Ken, your role on that. Okay.
1: For instance, let's just say uh, one of my favorites. I'm going out there with Owen Hart we wrestle for 15 minutes it's back and forth it's back and forth he's wrestling i'm wrestling i'm putting the boots to him i'm being a heel to him uh i'm getting into my character owen uh, starts a comeback he's coming at me i cut him off i go for the pinfalls i'm going for a submission i'm going for i'm going for a rear chin lock i'm going for standing guillotine uh the octopus i'm going for a full boston crab it's going back and forth and all of a sudden owen just for some reason He makes a comeback, maybe beats me with a flying body press, or I went to go snap Marum, and he backslides me one, two, three. And they go, oh, shoot. They they go, oh, my God. Horowitz put up a fight, but he lost. I mean, it happens. Just like you see in the movies, just like you see in UFC,
0: just like you see in professional football, NFL, and NBA, and everything else. So then what led to the change with Vince in kind of having you in that role as the, the enhancement guy who really set the table with so many guys and mm-hmm. then moving you into a, and really as, a, uh, as an enhancement guy, a heel primarily, but then moving you into the babyface role and pairing mm-hmm. you with Chris mm-hmm. Candido, a.k.a. Skip. How did that conversation kind of go about and kind of move you in that direction? I think that was almost an experiment.
1: I think they were looking at it, and let's see how it gets over, and it got over pretty good. It was reported back to the to the office and so forth headquarters and that this match is getting over. Let's do something with it. So
0: that's what happened with that. And it progressed and it, it went well, it could have went further even. Yeah. It was an interesting, you know, time to watch the product and see, you know, that we, we watch you for so many years and then we see you get the win. Oh, was it a fluke? And then we see the story continue and then it would evolve into, you know, then you teaming with Hakushi and helping out Hakushi on some losses but working with Candido himself now, was that a good mesh for you in terms of an in-ring partner?
1: Excellent. Excellent. Love wrestling, Chris. He's awesome. Good wrestling heel himself in his own right. And uh, just a great attitude. It's, uh, you know, gone too quick, uh, Chris Candido. Uh, just, it's a shame. And he was fantastic wrestler, fantastic athlete. Really strong in the gym. Uh, good attitude. Very, very,
0: very respectful. Do you think that that culture at the time in the WWF might have hurt some of the things going on and and a guy like Candido, who was really, you know, all the promise, you know, the great shape, great work in the ring, obviously maybe, maybe had some backstage things that were held, uh, maybe not against him, but didn't play in his favor. Do you think the culture of the, the locker room at the time was a little different and not very conducive to uh, progress for a lot of people? Yeah, maybe
1: again, I can't, I can't, I can't prove that or really even say about it. It's just uh, some of it's hearsay. Some of it's the politics of the sport, the beast of the nature, nature of the beast, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, a lot of things, some things you do to yourself and then some things you don't. And it's just it's just, it's just a way to cookie crumbles, so to speak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, just looking at that time, I mean, it, it, if newer fans don't realize it, you know, to to see somebody go through the ranks at that point on TV, it was that slow burn of many many years to see you work your way through that, and to finally get onto the pay per view to be on a yep. SummerSlam, that's a huge well, accomplishment at the time. Definitely not just not just SummerSlam. I was a
1: featured match, but what was really cool was I was in King in a Ring, Royal Rumble. I was the captain of my team at Survivor Series. Uh, did a commercial with Hakushi for uh, Mattel's Karate Fighters. I mean, it went a long way. I'll never forget downtown New Haven, Connecticut. There's like a frenzy of people. It was like, you know, the president's there, and you know how I mean to all the people downtown New Haven. And here I am at a microphone with Michael P.S. Hayes. Uh, let's see. Phineas I Godwin and Henry O Godwin, and we're singing a led, uh, we're singing a Leonard Skinner song, "Sweet Home Alabama." That was so cool. It was like a fan fest, and it was before the show in New Haven, and we were just you know featured downtown, all of us. So it was pretty
0: cool. And, and for people who grew up in the Northeast, when the WWF was in town like that, you knew that those cool things were going to pop up. And it always mm-hmm. seemed like there was some kind of party going on, you know, that everybody was really uh, oh, yeah. having a great time. And that's a hell of a mix to have up there singing some Leonard Skinner. <laughs> yeah, you're right, especially since I couldn't carry a tuna for that handles. <laughs> So where does 1995 rank for you in terms of the entire career? Because, you know, doing so much that you did, you know, 95, really, if, if you want to look at the, was, you know, the television standpoint, where does it rank for you in your career? Well, it's probably number one. It's the highlight of my career. Plus, I also forgot
1: uh, about Pro Wrestling Illustrated gives me inspirational wrestler of the year. Who was on that list before? Bret Hart. Uh, I can't remember the whole thing, uh, but I know Brett was there, and then Runners-Up and stuff like that, and who's had it previously, and then I'm called up to, to be on that. I, I couldn't believe that. That was, that was pretty cool. That was really cool. And also what was cool was being one of the um, highlights of the Slammy Awards, Shocker of the Year. I was included in that, too, and that was really cool. So there's been a lot of highlights.
0: Now that 95 year was, was definitely special. Yeah. That, that's for sure. Some yeah. people look back on it and they don't have it in the highest regard because I think the change from the Hogan era into what would have been the new generation era, I think still has detractors, mm-hmm. but you saw all those guys, the Shaw Michaels and the Bret Hart's as tag team mm-hmm. wrestlers, as undercard guys. What was it like to have them now as the leaders of the locker room, you know, the leaders of the new generation, as they called it, you know, what was it like to see mm-hmm. those guys kind of progress to those top spots?
1: Oh, it was cool. It was great. It was enlightening. It was everybody's making money. It was, you know, everybody's happy. It was awesome.
2: And what did you think about the way they had you portrayed? Like, you beat Skip. Yeah, you got the win over Akushi. The crowd is getting behind you. I mean, they're chanting Barry during the matches. You're getting over. But they're really playing up the Jewish heritage to giving you the Gila song. Is that something that you liked, or is that something that Vince threw in there? It was a little bit of both. And I liked it. I thought it was awesome.
1: I thought it was a great idea. My only thing, and you know, I'm not gonna be. I'm, I'm grateful for everything. I just thought it could have went a little bit longer. I really do. Yeah. I, I've seen other. I've seen other things played out that didn't deserve to be longer, and they were. So I thought, you know, there could have been another year easily, and then you could have turned me heel, and then you could add another year out of that. You could have really went a lot of avenues with this. Now, granted. If I wasn't capable of fulfilling the obligation which I was, or if i you know if I was just a an idiot in the locker room or I wasn't in the gym or I wasn't a good wrestler you know there's you know there's never there's never um there's never an excuse it's just it just it's just like I said, it's just the way the pieces fall, the way the dominoes fall, it's just amazing. You could be the top-notch worker. I mean, you know, I see it a lot in my hobby. My hobby is country music, and there's a ton of great singers out there. I mean, if you watch uh, American Idol and The Voice, that that are better than the the idols of uh, the the um, country music stars of right now. But it's just the way it goes. It's it's who you get as an agent, who's pushing you, and and if you really are that good, you know, because there's a lot that do deserve what they you know what they get. In, in any genre.
2: What do you think about the glasses and the pocket protected? Do you think that was pushing it too far that they kind of should have made yeah, you I cooler and not like in that? that. Direction? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. I didn't like that. I, I, I mean, again, it was my dream. You want to go with it. I mean, I'm pretty easy to do business with. Um, yeah. I didn't cause people knew I wasn't a nerd or anything. Come on now. I'm no, it just, if they want to do that, fine, but yeah, it wasn't, I don't know about that, but it was something different, so fine, you know, it wasn't that bad, so, and people knew, plus, you know, nerds don't wrestle like I do
2: or look like I do, so, there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. that's why it's like oh it, it, it's going good the push is going good the, the crowd is chanting his name you know the crowd's getting behind mm-hmm. him. He's winning matches and then mm-hmm. they do that it's almost like vince always does that he always tries to go like an extra step with some of the characters and it could be like a misstep especially in that generation he almost went into too corny of characters like he, he too cartoony.
1: sometimes yeah i agree but if that's what you want to do i mean that's fine as long as I'm on that TV and I'm on that roster and I'm fulfilling my dream and I'm making my fortune, go for it. Because if you're thinking I'm going to back down or go a different direction, it ain't happening, brother. It ain't happening. It takes
2: more than that to swerve me. And, hey, I was loving those matches, especially Skip. Uh, Chris Candido, you guys were having some great matches. SummerSlam 95 is great. If anybody wants to go back there, I would highly recommend this match. One of the best matches on the card, if not possibly the. Best match on that Thanks. card. It's really, really good. I appreciate good. it. Yeah, it was an awesome
1: match. Uh, I've looked at it time to time, and, uh, yeah, it was great. And, again, it takes two, really three. The referee is important, too. It takes three to have a great match. And my my philosophy is you go in there, for instance. Let's just say I'm going to use this gentleman's name. because I mean, he's passed, but he was a good friend of mine, and I liked him a lot. And there's great – Referees in the WWF. I mean, the Hebners, uh, Mike Chioda, uh, but my favorite, one of my favorite, Danny Davis was awesome, but Joey Morella, and he was really a good kid. He helped me a lot when I was younger, and so did his dad, Gorilla Monsoon. And it was just great. So, Barry Horowitz is in there with Skip. Joey Morella is the referee. What what is my mindset? Is it to get? I got to get myself over. I got to get Skip over. Uh, what about the ref? No. The philosophy is, and the psychology is, this is what you got to get in your mind. Drop the ego, check it in before you step in that ring, and get the match over. That's what counts. Get the match over.
2: Period. That's great. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. You're darn right. And you mm-hmm. did that, obviously, more often than not. I mean, that that is for damn sure yes thank you i appreciate it now when they kind of like you said they they, you were in survivor series but then after that they kind of like temper it down do they tell you like okay we're going in a different direction or is it just happens and you have no say so in it Yeah, it kind of dwindled out and just yeah
1: yeah just kind of nothing really say so it just um had no bargaining tools or chips and that was fine i finished up and went to wcw
2: so did you just basically your contract's over and boom, you head over to WCW, sign a contract with them? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. When that happens, are you recruited or is that something that you kind of are putting feelers out there? Like, how do you get into WCW? I actually before?
1: did it myself. I mean, I knew I was finishing up with the WWF and um, called up my good buddy, Terry Taylor, and he helped me progress into WCW.
2: Nice. That's very, very good. It's always interesting. Sometimes you don't know how certain mm-hmm. people get there, if they're friends mm-hmm. or if somebody saw them on TV, but that is great. So Terry Taylor helps you kind of get in the door and gets you within WCW. And you were actually in WCW for a couple of years there, and basically yeah. from 97 to 01 almost. Just about, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Nitros, Thunders, Saturday Night's main event. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, you were there, and, and I think people might forget, but you were there a lot longer than you know than people even realize. And I remember right. a match against uh, Goldberg uh, when it was his undefeated streak was on the line. Oh yeah, yep, <laughs> yep, sure was. What was it like working with him? Was he stiff at this point, or you know how was uh,
1: it- not too bad, not too bad. No, he's no, nah, he wasn't that stiff. I've been with some stiff people that are stiff on purpose, or they don't know what the hell they're doing, or. It's just a way of life being stiff like uh, Case in Point, Japan.
2: Did you overall, did you like the WCW run? I mean, you were there for a couple of years. Obviously, you said mm-hmm. Nitros, Thunders. Yeah. I
1: liked it. I liked it, yeah. Less traveling.
2: Um,
1: sometimes more money. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't bad at all. Not at all.
2: So after W C W closes Yeah. Like where are you at this point? Are you basically you know you're gonna hit the independent scene or are you pretty much I hit the down independence scene. No,
1: I just hit the independence until I burnt out. And then I went back to what I went to school for, which was nutrition. So I was a nutritionist. I also am able I owned a um, wrestling school in uh, Franklin, Kentucky with Reno Riggins and we did that for two years until we both were getting booked and it was just getting out of control and too busy so we had to let it go.
2: Oh, so there I know you and Reno teamed for a little bit and, and obviously you have that kind of relationship. I didn't realize yeah. that the relationship went even deeper and that you guys oh, were yeah. also um business we, partners. Yeah, yeah, we were business partners. We were
1: traveled together with the WWF. I met Reno in um Jarrett Promotions. Uh, he, he's from Nashville. I lived there for 10 years. We became good buddies. And, uh, actually Reno Riggins will be in Monroe, New Jersey.
2: That's right. Sitting right next to me. That's right. He'll be there with us.
1: He was also my tag team partner when we went overseas for the, uh, WWF. So that was pretty cool too. We went, you know, we went against the likes of the Bushwhackers and, um, a couple other teams. I can't remember offhand, but, um, maybe the, the the Mountaineers, not the the Royal Mounties, uh, the Quebec brothers, oh the Roosevelt yeah, brothers, yeah, Quebec, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, he's a good tag team partner, good wrestler in his own right, and I've wrestled him many times. So that was awesome. I think I wrestled one time Reno. I think it was in Springfield, Tennessee. I think our match went. It was almost an Iron Man match. I think it went close
2: to an hour. Wow, who won? Who won yeah. this match? I did. Nice.
1: Yep. Well, it was that or I
2: had to move out of town. (laughs) So, didn't want to move out of town. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as we head towards the wind down, we we head towards the finish line. I got to ask, because you've been, like we mentioned, been everywhere. We mentioned WBF, WCW, Florida, Mm -hmm. Japan. Mm -hmm. I've been almost everywhere.
1: I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I've been almost everywhere except
2: ECW.
0: That's
2: it. Yeah. If you think yes. about the majors, yeah, pretty much it. Yeah. Any reason yeah. why you, you want didn't to go get... there? Um, I have no idea. I don't think Paul Heyman likes me. <laughs> hey, that's the way it goes sometimes, I guess, right? Sometimes that's the way it's it goes
1: sometimes. Oh, well. <laughs> yep. Well, so uh, it didn't
2: bother me. I was doing fine, so that's fine.
1: <laughs> so. <laughs>
2: So you said, you know, you've been everywhere, obviously, but ECW, but you know, we mentioned all the other places you were at. What do you think, you know, we've mentioned Skip, obviously, SummerSlam 95, but what are some of your favorite matches that you have? Because you mean, you wrestled everywhere.
1: Yes, I I, I want to just hold that thought for one second. I just want to say one thing that Skip mm-hmm. told me. I guess he went to an ECW match. He told me this in the locker room and when a WWF, I don't know. Why he was there, or why he was booked, or maybe he—oh, maybe he told me—I—I I saw him in Florida in an independent show. He said, "Barry, I was in an ECW arena, and I'm walking down the aisle against somebody I don't—you know, some unknown. I don't even know if it's unknown." And he says, "They're chanting Barry, Barry, Barry." I said, "Are you serious?" He says, "Yeah." And you weren't even there. He says, "I don't believe they don't bring you into ECW." I said, "That makes too much sense. We don't want to do that." <laughs> so that's just a little tidbit there I thought I'd share with you in the listening audience
2: now, that is great getting, that is
1: great. yeah it was really cool and I know he wasn't ribbing or anything I, I mean I trust Chris and I believe him but uh, memorable matches oh my god I mean Brady Boone Brad Armstrong Tim Horner Reno Riggins uh, Jerry Lynn Al Perez uh Owen Hart numerous pon numerous great matches with Owen loves wrestling Owen Hart um excuse me Rad Radford uh Rick Martel Tito Santana uh da, 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 da. I don't want to leave anybody out and I'm sure I am it's not on purpose uh Paul Roma Jimmy Powers uh Duke to Dumpster Drossi. uh Wow. Ah, one of my favorite big men to wrestle, Undertaker and Kevin Nash. Excellent. Excellent big man workers.
2: That is great.
1: How about this? How about a handicap match in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, filming TV for Vince Sr., me and Bob the Cat Bradley against Andre the Giant in a handicap match? Wow. How about that one? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: You really Uh, did wrestle, everybody.
1: Yeah, Demolition, the Road Warriors. Uh, Wow, different, you know, different. uh, Stan Hansen, Johnny Ace. uh, 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 Johnny Smith in Japan. Wow, I'm trying to just think of everybody. Davey Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid. Wow, yeah, yeah, Coco Beware. Rock, uh, did I wrestle Rocky Johnson? I don't think I ever wrestled Rocky Johnson. Or Tony Atlas. Mm-mm, I don't think so. Steve Travis. Uh, wow, I'm going back a ways now. Bob Backlund. Yeah, yeah, let me try to think of that one. I think I had... Where was that? I I don't remember, but I had a match against Bob Backlund on New Year's Eve night. Yeah, that was cool. I remember that. Yeah, that was a good one. I liked that. I like Bob Backlund. What a true athlete. Here's a good one. Roddy Piper, Greg Valentine, and Don the Rock Morocco. What a phenom.
0: What a to
1: Snake Roberts. Oh, yeah. It's a
0: Hall of Fame, Barry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You said you want me in the Hall of Fame? You don't <laughs> want to do that, do you? Yeah. You don't, don't you want Kid Rock in there or Axl Rose
2: or somebody else that doesn't pertain to wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, a, what, yeah, about, we, what about William Refrigerator Perry? He's in there. Yeah,
1: Yeah. okay. Chicago Bears. How come we're not in the Hall of Fame in, in Canton?
2: Hey, that's a great yeah. point you gotta let, yeah, You got exactly. to, to talk to them Stick to what
1: you know. Stick to the genre.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Don't know. Well, yeah, you know I what they Eddie... say. Oh,
2: what I was, was going to say, you know what they say about the Hall of Fame. It's whoever Vince thinks up that day. That's who makes the Hall of Fame. I
1: guess. Yeah, I guess. Wrestled Eddie Guerrero. Wrestled Chris Benoit. Wrestled, uh, ooh, wow. I'm just trying to, the Renegade. Uh... Yeah, tried to wrestle the Ultimate Warrior. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the, try. Uh, you got that, right? <laughs> oh, yes. <yeah>. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anyway, um, well, let's see. Yeah. Wrestled Macho Man Randy Savage. I wrestled almost, yeah, Typhoon, One Man Gang. Uh, did I ever? You know who I wanted to wrestle, but I saw him at a convention, but I don't think I ever wrestled. Oh, I'm sorry, I did. Hands of Stone, Ronnie Garvin. Another true athlete. What a great guy.
2: Man, your resume is is unbelievable. Gary Wyndham, Mike Rotunda. Who didn't you wrestle? That's almost like... Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Adrian Adonis. Yep.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Johnny Rods, Jose Estrada, Matt Louise Rivera. Oh, yeah. Mr. Saito, Mr. Fuji. Mm-hmm. Blackjack Mulligan, Angela Mosca Sr. Mm-hmm. We can go on and on with this one.
2: Oh my god, we can go all night. You've wrestled literally the, every
1: everybody. The the, the friggin' never-ending story.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you think was the like the biggest misconception about Barry Horowitz in the wrestling business?
1: With without being I'm uh, not being full of myself or anything, I'm I'm shooting here. Totally underrated.
2: That's it. There's a the misconception. I totally, totally agree. Why do you think that is? Do you think that people just don't understand the, the true value or they don't understand work great or you what do you like what do you think? They just think wins and losses is, is the measure of wrestling have, or they don't understand You
1: know what? I'm gonna give you an answer I gave a lot of fans to that question and why I'm not in Hall of Fame. And it's real easy. Go ask Vince. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what
2: else to say. That is that is a great point. It's kind of it's almost silly to a certain extent because if you if you really understood wrestling and you really watched it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: guys like you, you know, being so underrated, being such a great worker, being able to perform with anybody and adapt to any style and make them mm-hmm. look good, right? You figure that those. That's three a true. That's are, a true.
1: That's a true technician enhancement person also. And by the way, let me just throw in Brian Blair, Steve Kern, Mike Graham, Jack Briscoe. Just wanted to throw those in there. <laughs> Scott McGee. Mm-hmm. What about the Hulkster? Never wrestled him
2: ever. Oh. Never ever. Well, what? That's, that has got to be one that should happen.
1: How about this? I wish it did. Or just yeah something the closest was in the locker room i've been on private lear jets with hulk i've been in a limo with hulk i've been in the locker rooms with hulk but you know never against him. but how about barry horowitz in let me think this tiny town in winter park or uh winter park florida outside mm-hmm. of orlando i'm in an independent show who walks in the locker room and i get to shake his hand meet him and he watches my match the Great Luthes. Wow! You know. Nice. Yeah, yeah. How about a training session at Malenko's gym with the Great Carl Gotch? Almost broke my arm. <laughs> that's what happens when you don't sell for Carl Gotch.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. What? You know, mm-hmm. an impressive resume, but that's awesome. Hanging out with uh, Luthez and yeah. Carl Gotch. All 100. fact and all true. Only two uh, true legends of the business. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. so I, I just want to I want to throw one thing yes. before we get to the wrap up here and talk about Legends of the Ring one more time. I just did a little uh, Google research as we were wrapping up, and uh sure. I cause it, one thing that triggered me. I can't believe you didn't wrestle Tony Atlas because I would have thought for a fact you would have had him as Saba Simba, but that's when you left in nineteen ninety. So you did miss. Tony yeah, Atlas. That right. would have been a perfect well, have, time. <laughs> yeah, that was
1: that was my neck injury. I was out for eleven months with a. I had a a C five disc removed out of my neck.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, had yeah. you had you been there, you would have been uh, you would in the, would have been in that ring with Saba Simba for sure. I can tell you that. <laughs> probably. Oh yeah, probably. I forgot about that gimmick. Yeah, no, I it's... like
1: Mr. U.S. I like Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, better. <laughs>
0: Yeah, kind of uh, a little bit of a, uh, a departure, if you will. That's the best way I could probably yeah. put it. But let's bring it back yeah. like we did at the beginning. Legends of the Ring, June 1st, Monroe, New oh, yeah. Jersey. Not only Barry Horowitz, but like you mentioned, Reno Riggins will be there as well. Mm-hmm. What is the last thing you got to tell us here about this event? The fans coming out. I know those WWE yep. encyclopedias will be out in full force. Oh, yeah. Uh, but what I'm you... in all three of them. <laughs> i <I'm laughs> in all three of them. Well, you I tell... didn't know that until this morning. <laughs> really?
1: I thought I was in one of them or two. I didn't know there was three. So, And also, we got to tell the times. I think it's 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., so get there while it's hot, if I'm not mistaken, those uh, times. Correct, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., yep. Yep, and also, I'm new to Facebook, so I have an agent taking care of all my work. So if you think you're talking to me, you're really not. It's it's not a spoiler. It's just that I've been on a computer for years, and I'm burnt out, and I really don't have the time that I want to. Because uh, not only all of this, but I get quite a bit of fan mail delivered to my house weekly. and each and every one of them, every piece is handwritten back by myself. That I don't pawn off on nobody. So my Facebook has been blowing up. If they um, you know, most of the questions are answered simply. If they're not, my uh, my agent calls me, and if there's any promoters or wanting me for seminars or lectures or what have you, They'll just – if they if he can't answer anything, they give the direct number to my landline, and we talk business. Very. So I'm all over that, w- WWE.com, dot uh, BarryHorowitz.com, and now the Facebook, which is, like I said, just blowing up like crazy. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
0: <laughs> well, this was a great story. And so happy to get you on and looking forward to having you out there at legends of the ring. It's going to be uh, one hell of a time. We're going to be patting each other on the back by the end of it. I can tell you that much.
1: Oh yeah. Can I say one thing in my closing? I want to thank you guys for having me on here. And it was really fun. You know, there's a lot of great wrestlers out there, but Barry Horowitz wrestles great.
0: Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.